And welcome back to Fully Equipped. Jay Wall, well, no Chris, RB, and Mr. Robot. I feel like I gotta at least mention who's here because the the cast of characters changes by the week. Chris is in the air. He hasn't been here the last few weeks. I don't know if he really likes us anymore. I wouldn't like us. Yeah, I don't know. Well, I, I, you know, I keep up with text, so I don't know. Maybe he keeps answering my text. He must not like me that, or he must like me at least a little bit. Uh, reply to that. Yeah, I was blowing him up the end of last week with some Iron Chef questions. So I don't think he hates us, but he will be, we, he will be back next week. And RB, you and I are going to be in Scottsdale. Won't get too much into what we're doing just quite yet. But I will say that if you love Fully Equipped, and before I get into this, let me just say thank you to everybody who listens to this podcast. We were looking at the numbers for the pod, the weekly numbers, and I am continually amazed at the number of people that listen to this pod. So thank you for listening. And if you enjoy Fully Equipped, I do want to let you know that we're going to be doing a Fully Equipped Live. It's going to be a Zoom next week. If you want to register for it and talk to us on that Zoom, go check it out on Golf Social Handles. We're going to be getting more details soon. Um, I'm in a good mood this week. Maybe it's the numbers. Maybe it's just because it's starting to become fall. We're going to discuss some new gear on this week's pod. And I'm just, I, I got some of the putters, some of these new Cleveland HB soft milled putters. And I'm going to give two away this week, just on the podcast. Typically when we do giveaways, I promote it on our social handle, but for those that just listen to the pod, I'm going to make it easy for you. Just message me, direct message me on Instagram. I'm at Jonathan R. Wall. Let me know if you want. It looks like we've got a 10.5 is the model. It's more of a mid mallet. We have an 11 that's going to be more of like a winged mallet. And then the four, which is just your typical, you know, answer style putter. It's more, I guess, more of like a Newport 2 style with the squared off bumper. So if you want any of those putters, I'm giving two of them away. Just message me. Let me know which ones you want. And I'm going to mail it to you. Easy as that. No promotion anywhere else. If you listen to the pod, hit me up and I'll give you a free putter. And they, these are pretty cool too because they have the multi-material, the UST Mamiya all-in putter shaft as well. So an upgraded shaft. Um, anyway, I think now would be a good time to get into this week's topics. But I guess before we do, we always got to do a check-in. Boys, how are we doing? Gene, how's the health, oh, buddy? Oh, oh, man, Gene, you still sound like death, man. Yeah, I got to tell you, this um, this cold was worse than the first time I had COVID. I mean, you know, I, I so my theory is, you know, all that hand sanitizer we were using for two years and, and wipes and everything, I think we created super bugs. Uh, 60 kids were out of my son's school, and none of them were COVID-related last Monday. And he's wow. the one that gave it to me. And, uh, yeah, this was the mother of all colds. but. Um, yeah, and just when I started feeling better, my Padres lost to the Phillies. So it's just it's been a it's been a rough week. It's uh hoping hoping for a little magic today and it's going to be almost ninety degrees here in San Diego today. It's a weird little weather thing. But other than that, glad to be back, glad to be off the NyQuil for the most part, and uh hopefully semi coherent for uh this week's pod. 
Well, like it's going to be worse. Sweden's Sweden was great. I was going to say, Gene, it could be worse. You could be a Jays fan. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, home, or, or a Texas Rangers fan. Yeah. Let's, let's just yeah, go another yeah, run well, below that. Well, trust me. Trust me. My son looked at me. My son is 16. He goes, Dad, I just read the last time the Padres, you know, were in the playoffs that fans were attending. I was born and I was like, yes, son, that's uh, that's what it's like to be in a small market where you don't get the opportunity very much. So better enjoy it when you do. Nice. But yeah, to, to answer your question, Jonathan, uh, Sweden's was great. Uh, I've been twice now. And the thing that like I find hard to describe is that I've been lucky to go for like events both times, like not just kind of like one of their all day passes. and whether it's the the golf course or the people or just like the idea that like, it's just a little playground, everything about it is just the absolute most fun that I can, that I've ever had on a golf course. And uh, the first time I was there was for a persimmon event. So everyone just played persimmon and like generally older forged blades and cavity backs, that kind of thing. And I was there for very lucky to be invited to the, to the member guest, which I thought was really cool. And uh, just to be able to, out there playing golf with people that, so a lot of people that I met on, on social, um, just over the years, which is kind of funny because people walk in like, Ryan, what's the last name? Oh, you're the feral guy, right? On like Instagram. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's me. Like I'm <laughs> feral just, guy. That's how I'm you're just doing like, now. I'm just like a normal guy. Like I'm just here to play golf and have some fun. And, and I met some other people and like just the whole, the whole vibe, the, whatever they do, whatever they got going down there, it's, it's so much fun. And I would, I uh, can't wait to go back again, to be honest. It is. Gene, have you ever been to Sweden's? I, I have no idea what you guys are talking about. Good. They're just going to keep it that way. <laughs> yeah. You don't need to know, Gene. It's it. We, we can't. We can't. I, As, I, I, my, my head's so stuffed up. I was like, why did Barath go to Sweden? What the hell is in Sweden? And why do they play old clubs in Sweden? I was very confused as to the whole thing. Please, please give a primer for those listening in the audience and one of the hosts who has no idea what the hell you're talking about. I don't know if I want to describe it now. <laughs> we always say it's like we, we were kind of having this discussion. It's like it's like your favorite indie band that like you don't want to go see at like a, a stadium anymore. Like we want to keep it an indie band. But no, uh, Sweden's Cove is, is a nine hole golf course in of all places, South Pittsburgh, Tennessee. The only other thing that uh, I would say makes South Pittsburgh um, famous or what definitely made it famous for well over 100 years is the Lodge. Uh, cast iron factory that's where they it's actually made uh, i did some damage in the cast iron lodge store which is great i like i like forge golf clubs and cast steel for my my cooking utensils um but it's it's a nine hole golf course designed by rob rob collins and uh, tad king is his shaper and it's it's a little playground it's like 60 well it's like 3200 yards uh, two part two, two part threes two part fives and it's just wild it's absolutely wild. You are going to four putt. You're going to admit you're going to hit really bad shots. And it's the, the challenge of the execution is what I, I kind of call it because, you know, you're going to miss some shots. You're going to get really close and it's going to go off the green. It's going to roll down these big slopes and everything. And you're going to be like, God damn it. But when you hit the, you hit that one that like stops, it's like that feeling is like very hard to capture because everyone that you're playing with knows how difficult that shot is. And uh, that, that to me is the best way that I can describe Sweden's Cove. That and all the people are awesome. Yeah, it, it is a little bit like putting at a U.S. Open, depending on how the super's feeling. 
I mean, some of those greens can get real glassy and diabolical and you, you want to tomahawk some golf clubs. Did you play the, the normal routing or did you play the cost uh, cross country? Uh, we did both. So we nice. did the, we did the cross country. We did the, um, like the standard routing a bunch of times because it was like, a, an event where we were keeping score. Uh, and then last but not least, we had a par three, we did the par three routing as well, which, okay. uh, was, was, was a blast because a lot of those greens, because you can approach them from any angle because of the way the course is set up. It's, uh, it's insane. I, uh, I definitely at one point probably four putted from like 20 feet. I also three putted for par from 85 yards on, uh, the third hole. I was out. I love it was like the part it's like this part five. I was up close yeah. to the green. You got to go up this big slope, but you can't hit a high shot. Cause there's this tree in the way. So I was like, I well, I'll just it was so fast and firm. It's they hadn't had rain really basically in a month. So it was playing very fiery. And I was like, well, I'm going to test the limits of this tailor-made putter insert here and, and try and get this up there. And I laid up to the front of the green with the putter, putted it up and, and made the, made the third one. And I was like, well, I've never three putted for a, for a par from, close to 90 yards, but I'll, uh, I'll put that down on my little checklist. <laughs> Did you test any gear? That's all I care about. Um, I wasn't, you know what? I've all the, st- I know we talked about it of all the stuff that I brought. I didn't mess with anything. Although I did bring some persimmon woods. So it I was a member guest. So your, yeah. your member probably would have, would have never invited you back. And you would have been like, Hey man, I'm just going to test some new irons and <laughs> a driver today. Hope that's okay. The nice thing was the, uh, the tea times were never until like 10 o'clock and we basically had free reign of the golf course in the morning. So like, and there was like, it wasn't like hardcore, like people weren't like people were grinding, but like they're still having fun. So like, you could go and play the golf course before you really were out there. So a couple of times I brought some new irons, I brought some, some 14 blades, which were a lot of fun to, to test out. Uh, but other than that, I kept the wedges, fairy woods driver, everything was the same. And, uh, it was a blast. Yeah. It's, it's a special place. If you haven't been, you should go, but Gene, don't worry about it. It's a go. It's a go ranch. You don't need to go. Yeah, you don't need. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I've uh, I've I've had. Have you guys played the uh, the nine at Bandon? Oh yeah, I, we talked about that. I think we talked about that before. I actually played preserve the like two days before they opened it to the public. They made us play the the nine holes with liveboards because they wouldn't let us take a divot. So how would you relate it to that? Oh, they're just totally different because I mean, one is one is like par threes. Nothing about par threes and in Sweetens is is like a legit golf course. Like there's was, par oh, threes, par oh, fours, par it's, fives. It's, oh, okay, yeah. it's a legitimate. It's, yeah, yeah. Okay, but it's only nine holes, but it's a full like. Um, yeah, I you know what I would you know what I would compare it to like from a it's vibe not an executive course. Okay, gotcha. would be um, Goat Hill. Goat Hill to me okay. is like probably the closest there's no driving range like it's just you go out you have the they have the big putting course and other i mean goat hill i think is is a full 18 but it's just like wear a t-shirt wherever you want have fun respect the golf course respect the people that are working on it respect the people that you're playing with but if you want to play in six and you play in 90 minutes who cares you want to play with eight sims play in 90 minutes who cares just be gotcha. out there and have fun and respect it and that that to me is probably what makes it so much fun gotcha all right. Did you guys see? <clears throat> I'm about to die over here trying to eat while I'm doing a podcast. Which eating and doing a podcast are two things you probably should never do together. Did either of you see the the photos of Adam Scott at Mirror Headquarters? I think that's so cool. 
It's awesome. I don't know how we didn't get the invite, Arby. How do we not get these things? Like I, I have been, I have been trying to weasel my way over to Japan for like five years to like just go see where golf clubs are forged. Um, and you know, I, I, I never ask. <laughs> I'm always like, that would be really cool, and then just sit back and wait <laughs> for someone to make the call. Uh, but to be over there and actually like see that kind of stuff, I think is always really cool because especially even from like cast golf clubs as well. I don't think people realize the amount of like handwork that goes into them, right? Like you think a lot of things are just uh, like processed, right? It's just like you hit a button on an assembly line. Like, heck, I, you know, you watch the, how it's made videos on like YouTube or discovery channel or whatever. And you just think someone pushes a button and like, you know, the next thing, you know, do- donuts pop out the other end of this giant machine. Right. But but people are making them. People get their hands on it. And a lot of these, these Forge golf clubs, all like from all the manufacturers, especially Mira, like it goes down the line and it is like polish after polish, after buff, after weight, after all of these different things. And I think that to me is, is probably one of the one of the coolest elements. Gene, have you ever been over there to like see manufacturing of irons or even like metal woods or anything? Because like I'd, I'd kind of love to see it. <laughs> You know, I, I, it's funny. I've got to go over, I'm installing a robot in Sumitomo in a month in, um, outside of Kobe and I've seen the ball manufacturing. I've never had the opportunity to see the, um, uh, especially, you know, any, any sort of forging, but it's funny when you were describing that the, the, so I've been, you know, the Japanese have been clients of mine for 33 years. I've been dealing with them you know, since the beginning in 1990, I've never been to, never been to Japan. I've been to South Korea. It, it feels, feels a lot, I guess maybe the same way. Everything, everything's very clean. Everything seems like it's being done with a purpose. Very purposeful is, is I guess the word that I would use to describe it. So, um, Adam is, is actually over in Japan, not just to tour the, the mirror factory. Although the photos that I loved were, were, you know, it's cool because you can tell Adam Scott is actually gearhead. Um, the, the main reason why he got linked up with Mira, we've talked about, is his custom Mira irons before on the pod. But he initially, what, what piqued his interest were the were the Mira Nicholas collaboration irons that they came out with. And he saw those and, and called up Mira. And, and once he had the irons, it was like, hey, maybe there's a way that we can, can collaborate here. And it's not like he's a, he's sponsored by me or he just loves the irons and the history behind him. And that's why he's, he's playing the Japan open, but he decided to take a trip to the mirror factory to get a firsthand look, but he's, he's there. There's photos of him on the grinding wheel. It's, it's great. I mean, that's why I would want to be there because it's not just a guy who's like, hey, you know, your handler says you need to show up and walk through this to get a photo op. It's like he genuinely loves the history behind Mira, and so he wants to see it in person. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, he's he's definitely like a gearhead. I see him on the I saw him on the range a couple times now, and he's talking to reps, and he's looking at irons, and they're bringing them other irons like from other OEMs and stuff, and he's looking at them, and he's like talking about the sole, and he talks about what he likes. I listened for like ten minutes. He was talking to a rep, and he's like. I want the sole to be like this because it goes into the turf and I've tried ones that have like more curvature, which have effectively more bounce, but I don't like how thin they are. So if I like hitting into a certain grass, it still feels like a crab more. And he's like, he's really diving into it. So like he, he understands the, like not just the aesthetic, but also 
like kind of what is going on with, with the feel of those golf clubs through the turf, which I always find really interesting. And the other part of that, it's funny that you mentioned those irons. I completely forgot this. First guy I played with at Sweden's rolls up and he's got like a Sweden's Cove t-shirt on. He's hanging out and he pulls up his bag and he puts it on the back of his cart. He's got, he had a few extra clubs in there at the time. I looked over and they were the, the Nicholas mirrors. And I was like, hot damn. That's the first time I've seen a set of those in person. That wasn't like on display at like the 8am offices. And I thought, Oh man, that is like, that's pretty sweet. And I was ta- I was just talking to him about, him. he didn't, he didn't know who the hell I was. So I was like, how do you like him? And he's like, you know, I've always played blades. Haven't played a lot this year, played like, like five to 10 times. He was, and he's a member there. So he was, he was excited to be there and get to like, see all like all the people. And we just were, were shooting, shooting the shit. And I was like, yeah, those are really cool. We were just like chatting them up and I didn't mention anything. I didn't want to get into it, but uh, he's like, yeah, we're not like the turf down here gets really firm in the summertime. I mean, the Bermuda is kind of soft, but like right now in the fall, it's, it's hot. It's like hot enough and it's dry. He's like, they just feel great. Cause I'm not steep. I'm pretty shallow, but like I get underneath it. And it was it's funny. You mentioned that. Cause that was the first time I'd actually seen them in someone's bag. And he said he liked them. I, I always wondered, you know, I believe in, in tools, not jewels. I mean, I, I get it. Those irons are limited. I figured most would probably, they'd be wall hangers, but that's really great that somebody's actually using them because I figured most of the guys who bought those irons would just, you know, throw them in a corner, maybe put them in a shadow box, you know, display them in the corner of their office, but not use them. But there you go. Somebody's actually using them. They're out there just like any other set of golf clubs and he was happy to have them. So. Wow. Well, we're going from one year head to a guy who's a total throwback. I don't know if Fred couple, I would not call Fred couples a gearhead, but the PJ tour champions, social media account, Posted a video last week. And if you hadn't heard by now, Fred Couple shot 60 during the final round. He's 63, 12 birdies to win the SAS championship. Just amazing. Fred Couple shooting 60. I mean, he doesn't even play a regular schedule anymore on, on PJ Tour Champions. And here he is, blitz in the field on Sunday to win. It's great. And now they're talking about, you know, is this kind of going to be a swan song? Is he going to retire? I don't know if he can retire for shooting 60, maybe. But, um, yeah, they did this video with him on the range and it's just like the type of equipment gold that, that like the three of us would absolutely geek out over. And I think a lot of people based on the response loved it as well. And it's Fred testing three woods and, you know, he's looking at lie angles He's, you know, moving the club up and down as he's like trying to hit, he's taking some of these, you know, syrupy smooth swings that he's known for and just rifling these three woods down range. And, um, you know, everybody was just, I think enamored by one, it's Fred couples testing gear and, you know, very seldom do you get a tour pro mic'd up testing clubs on the range at a tour event, but here you've got Fred testing three woods and Oh, by the way, the three wood that he's testing is a Callaway FTI square way. That goes all the way back to 2008. And so everybody, of course, is just geeking out over the fact that he's he's hitting a 14-year-old three-wood. Um, well, I mean, it was just what, I'm sure Gene didn't watch it. Gene doesn't even know what Sweden's Cove is. You know, he thought you were in Sweden. So I'm not even going to ask the his opinion. Video. No, I'm wow. actually, I'm actually the video. keeping up on social media. Grandpa over here knows what the hell's going on. I watched that. 
Don't give me first, grief okay, on well, that First one. reactions then. What, 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 what were your takeaways from watching the video? So, you know, the, the, the takeaway that was kind of interesting to me was the generational aspect of this. And, you know, I first, I first experienced this when the U.S. Open came to uh, Torrey. I got invited by TrackMan to sit out, you know, and so this is uh, almost 18 years ago. Um, uh, I, got the, I got invited to sit out on a tee during a practice round. And, you know, TrackMan wasn't as established at this point, but it was really fascinating to see guys that the line at that point was about 30 and guys over 30 would just hit their shot and wouldn't look back at the numbers. Guys under 30 would turn around and go, what was my launch? What was my spin on that? How far did that go? You know, and, and couples obviously is part of that older generation and i think you touched on it nicely in your in your article was he wasn't so much concerned about launch spin he was concerned about feel and perception and you know using his eyesight and it's 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 really fascinating how uh you know these these older golfers can you know you can it, it, it's kind of like uh you know, and watching baseball over the last, you know, week or so, there's so much a deep dive in analytics. But at the end of the day, if your pitcher's feeling hot after five, even though it says you're supposed to pull him, do you necessarily, you know, do you go with the analytics or do you go with the feel? Couples is definitely a feel guy and everything that he's looking at is feel. Uh, I obviously, because of what I do, I'm more on the data side, but I have a profound respect for a guy that's a field guy that can go out and shoot 60 and doesn't give a rat's ass what a launch monitor says, you know, see ball, hit ball, craft, do what you do and do it well. And I, um, I, I appreciate the artistry in that. And I appreciate the, the approach. I think it's, it's cool because like, first of all, he's got this like really old fairy wood. And if you look at the history of Fred couples, fairy woods, like I can think of like four that he's probably had. One was like some, what was it? Tom Watson's uh, first wife Ram Freewood that had like the L flex shaft in it. Right? The famous yep. story that they were practicing before some event and he hit it and he just kept it basically. The other one that he had for the longest time was like one of the original S2 H2 big Bertha's, which had like the, they call it like the two dot, I think it was called. And then like two hotmail ports on the sole, like just the way they had like um, differentiated the heads and, it was tiny. Like even back in like 2000, he was still like around that time, I think still had this like tiny little fairy wood. And there was probably something else there in between, but then he had this square wood for basically forever. And to think that like, we always talk so much about, you know, what's it mean to like have a fairy wood or what it means to optimize a fairy. What do you need a fairy wood for? Well, obviously in Fred's case, you know, boom, boom, like hit the driver a lot, but the fairy wood for him is just, it's a trust club. Right? You don't have a golf club for nearly 14 years and not trust it. <laughs> so to, to be able to like take an extra head that he found, I, I read your story, Jonathan, and like to go through this process with the rep out there. And I think one of the things they talked about, and you can go look this up if you're if your listeners, uh, I think you still find them online as well, is that the like, Callow used to have what was called clock ferrules. So this this head, which has a relatively oversized hosel, has a secondary piece, which was the 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 plastic, thermoplastic little um ferrule that goes onto the heads that would go in. And as you turned it, you can actually orient the shaft kind of like pre-adjustable hosel to 
add loft, take off loft, close the face, open the face, put line down, put it up. And I think that was one of the things I caught on when he was the, the technician was talking about the second head that he had built was like, you're going to see this, this like line pointed here. And that means that the, the face will sit like a little more open or flatter because I think he was adding a little length to the, to the second head. So first of all, those things are a massive pain in the butt to work on. <laughs> cause if you want to, <laughs> cause the paint goes right to where the hosel is. So you have to like, if you want to pull that out and I've only done a couple of them, you have to like slow and it had a, a freaking composite head on it too, like top. So like, it's really difficult and you have to like heat it with a, with a torch and get it really hot or get the drill bit hot enough that you could get it to the bottom and slowly funnel the drill bit around. Not that I recommend anyone out there goes out there and starts putting torque onto a drill, but I put a drill bit through my hand once doing that. So like, I don't suggest it, but to clean it out, to get to the point where you can put a shaft in is a major pain in the butt. So to see the, them go through that process, talk about all those little intricacies and then have Fred hit it and like talk about what he's seeing more than anything else. I, I thought that was just like, gear nerd just like fandom right there like i could sit here and like listen to these guys all day it's, it's like the same when you know you have the spieth and greller are standing over a shot i remember even back what was it uh, at pebble beach where like he's over the cliff and he's like are you sure you want to do this and he's like yeah yeah i got this i'm gonna hit this and blah 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 and you hear this whole conversation that's the stuff that people aren't privy to if you're like at an event you can't even hear that some unless they're like someone blasts one out into the the, the, the crowd the patrons uh or like you're mic'd up and not everyone wants to be mic'd up. So to be able to get this, this in-depth stuff that's not on the range at, at an OEM where they're talking through the process and it feels a little commercially, no offense to OEM, but you know, that's kind of what the feel is. It's just a dude with a tech rep, his old 14-year-old fairywood, a new one, and hitting shots. And that's the that's the that's the the magic sauce right there. Yeah, it was amazing. Uh, you know, my favorite moment in the the video was when they're looking at the soul of the golf club and Fred says to Mike Bertha, who's one of the PGA tour champions, uh, club technicians, he said, what's that hole right there? And, he, and they start talking about it. And he's like, Oh, that's where you, that's where you would put the back then. That's where you put the hot melt. He's like, Oh, so you just use like a needle. And, and it's, it's, I mean, Fred couples has been around for a while, but I just love the fact that he doesn't exactly know what that is. He has a general idea of okay you're going to put something in there this is where you put the hot melt right and you know this is that's going to help with the sound yep it can also you know help change the cg uh, but it just like again i always wonder how much tour pros know about gear and about the build process and again it just shows that even like some of the best players in the world like they don't know everything that's why they rely so heavily on the club reps to help them figure out what the hell's going on with their gear. Um, the other thing that I will say that I, that I loved about the video was there was little context, which allowed me to, to call Brian Radigan, who works directly with Fred Couples on gear. And Brian was kind enough to walk me through what exactly was going on. And there were two, as RB mentioned, two fairway woods. There's a second Callaway FTI squareway. And Brian told me that one of Fred's buddies was at a golf store and was in the discount area and just happened to find one in the discount bin. And so that's what helped bring in this second three wood because Fred was trying to, he hits his three wood stock like 250, 255, but Brian said he likes to three finger it, which is basically means to throttle back on it to like 245. 
but Fred wanted a three wood or at least to see if he could get a three wood that went to 60 plus, but still allowed him to throttle back. And that's where he was testing different shafts, but he didn't want to mess with his, with his gamer for obvious reasons, because it's so old and it's so trusted. And, and Brian mentioned to me that Fred's very particular about that golf club. He will not let a lot of people touch it. And I think it's just because he doesn't want anybody messing with it. Brian is one of those guys. Anyway, it was a cool video. If you haven't seen it, go check it out on the PGA Tour Champion social feed. I also was able to embed it in this story that I wrote on kind of the, the backstory behind the testing session on golf.com. Um, anyway, before we get into the next topic, RB, probably should uh, do an ad read. What do you think? Oh, sounds good to me. Oh, do we? Oh, shoot. I don't have it. I got it. I oh, got okay. It. There we go. I was like, wait, I don't have it. I can't do the transition. <laughs> that, Joel, that was a horrible segue, by the way. RB I thought RB was ready. Stop, better. stop, Gene. Stop. RB is usually well prepared, but it, it will be me this week. As always, I want you to know that this week's episode of Fully Equipped is brought to you by good friends at Fairway Jockey. We talk about custom clubs all the time on the pod, and we're often asked, where's the best place to buy custom golf clubs for us? The answer is easy, because only one place offers the lowest prices on custom-built clubs, and that's fairwayjockey.com. Do your homework. No one beats their prices, and you'll save up to 15%. And when you're talking about a bigger ticket purchase like clubs, that can add up to big savings. Build your custom set today at fairwayjockey.com. It was a very terrible segue, but um, I'm just not as good as Darby at those. <laughs> I'll admit it. <laughs> Speaking of ice cream, that reminds me of. <laughs> I was going to yeah. say, speak, speaking of new putters and new golf clubs, and <laughs> another uh, world number one just had a new putter this week, which was kind of shocking to be to be really oh frank. Gosh, there he goes. There, there's, there's perfect segment. Yes, you're, you're right. <laughs> so, Scotty Scheffler. This now, this is a funny story. I didn't tell you guys this last week. So, I somebody a uh, buddy of mine has a has a friend in in the DFW area. And he and I have been conversing back and forth on in, in my DMs. And he's a gearhead. And he messaged me last week and he said, Hey, just want to give you a heads up. I was over at Sellinger's Power Golf, which is a, a local uh, golf shop here in the DFW area. And I saw Scotty Scheffler in there. And he was getting a new mallet built up. He brought in some of his old adjustable weights, sole weights. And was getting them put into the putter. And Troy Van Viesen, who um, does a lot of does a lot of um, strength and conditioning work with Scotty Scheffler, he also works with Ryan Palmer and Jordan Spieth. I mean, a, a whole bunch of guys. Troy's a really good dude. But he his his office is right next door to Sellinger's. So Scotty was over there getting his putter worked on, and I reached out to Drew Page, Scotty Cameron, two of her up, and I was like, "Hey, Drew." What's the deal with this? And he's like, I think he's just, just, he's just testing right now. And of course, there's the putter. It, it looks like Scotty's going to switch. So he's going like, like a lot of these big name tour pros. And I'm talking about guys like Justin Thomas, who was a blade user for years and then switched to uh, Scotty Cameron Mallet and has never looked back. Scotty Scheffler seems to be at least toying with that idea this week at Congaree for the, the CJ event. And he's using, or at least still testing. It's not official until Thursday, as I will say. 
but it's a Scotty Cameron T 5.5 mallet, the same Justin Thomas mallet has the slant neck. Um, you know, doesn't look like there's a ton going on. The one thing that I did notice about this putter guys that I thought was interesting. And again, this is the gear nerd in me. If you look at photos, um, I, I took some in-hand photos of Scotty's game, the, his blade gamer, the Scotty Cameron, um, Newport two that he had before he was going into the T 5.5, the milling marks on that face are, are not as pronounced. I mean, you can see them, but they're not really deep. And the milling marks on this 5.5 look to be deeper and more pronounced. And it makes me wonder, you know, milling marks that, that that's going to translate to the sound and feel. So RB, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Deeper yeah. milling marks. Deeper milling versus, marks. Versus milling marks that, that are you can see but maybe aren't as deep. What's the difference there? Yeah, uh, it's funny. I actually wrote about this a little while ago. Is that um, the deeper the milling marks, the more back the rest of the putter is from the contact points. What it does, it softens the sound. It does not change really the energy transfer. What it does is it changes the sound that the putter produces. It's a softer sound. If you have a putter that has a has a completely flat face, it sounds firmer. Uh, Ping has done that with their new series. They offer different versions of like the face on different putters based on the kind of the feedback from various users. And we see with Scotty Cameron putters as well. You'll see putters like, like Tiger, who has a pretty light putter, and you really don't see any more milling marks on the face. Then you've got other uh, users that have something like, I think Jordan Spieth's uh, 009 Gamer is, has some kind of like, not super pronounced milling marks, but they're there. And, you know, I was just, as you were talking there, I, I was thinking back because I was looking at one of the putters that I got to hold at uh, when we were I was in Vegas was, uh, kind of for fun, I walked over to Max Homa and I said, oh, can I like take some pictures of your putter? And Caddy's like, yeah, here you go. And he just handed it to me. And it's a, it's a 5.5 and it looks basically yep, the same putter. as Scotty Cameron or sorry, uh, Scotty Scheffler it is a Scotty Cameron, but Scotty Scheffler, too many Scotty's going on here. But um, what I think is like, you know, you've got, he didn't play very well at the, uh, at the President's Cup. It didn't really matter. Uh, they steamrolled, but Scotty was, you know, he wasn't really on his game, but you know, he saw Justin Thomas and he saw Max Homa rolling in putts that week. You know, I always say like there, there are influencers on tour when it comes to gear. And I, I think that people do, and like Lydia Co said it when she was, you were talking to her, like, right. about the tiger shaft, the DI six, right? Like yep. people try stuff because someone else is using it. Right. And they're, and they're playing well. And there are these influencers on tour where it's like, Oh, he's, he's doing wait, What's that? What's he got over there? Or what's this or what's that? And for Scotty, who I think at the at the tour championship, even you, you saw him struggling one of the rounds, and he was talking about putting at the Presidents Cup as well. He spent a, a night with uh, like I think it was Stricker out on the putting green or something like that, like one of those players. So, you know, he must have saw something in one of those bags. Probably, you know, hey, can I see that for a second? Probably had something kicking around. And uh, you know, when you're Scotty Scheffler, it's pretty easy to talk uh, talk to the the Scotty guys and get one of those in your bag pretty quick. I bet so. Uh, I, yeah. there's probably some, some of that little filter down of like where that came from, but it's going to be cool. I'm to see right there with you. I'm yeah. right there with you. I, I think, I think there, there was definitely, if you, there were some videos that were posted of Scotty missing some putts and he, um, you know, like slammed his putter into his hands yeah. and, and you, you know, he was frustrated and, and I kind of wondered, you know, it, it seemed like the honeymoon phase with that putter was over and, you know, 
you wondered if he was just going to try another blade or, or go to something completely different. But I, I, I agree with you, RB. I think that watching some of his peers putt well with that mallet at the President's Cup definitely had some influence on this decision. It's just another blade guy going to a mallet. We've been talking about this trend towards mallets for a while. We're, we've been seeing a lot of, a lot and a lot of guys. I mean, Dustin Johnson for, for years was a blade guy. Now he's pretty much predominantly just using mallets, even though he, he still tests a whole bunch. Um, you know, John Rahm is is another guy who's in a mallet. There's so many guys that are in mallets. Now, Home, as you mentioned, is, has been playing really well with a mallet. Um, when Justin Thomas actually switched over to a very similar putter to the to the 5.5, but with that knuckle neck, just an extended, you know, L neck, plumber's neck, whatever you want to call it. I, I was told that, a lot of guys were saying after he won with it, but Hey, can I get one of those? Like, yeah. well, you know, and it, it's like, you don't even, you know, some of these guys, you could probably say, well, how do you even know this thing's going to work for you? I don't, but I, but I got to try it because it's working for Justin Thomas. So I'm sure I'm, you know, Scotty's game is just rock solid, but the putter is probably the one thing that hasn't been working as well. So you know, maybe he throws in this 5.5 and he, he catches a little bit of fire on the greens, which is pretty much all he needs right now. But yeah, it's, it is an interesting trend. Another, another big name, number one player in the world now switching to a mallet. As it looks like, again, it's not Thursday, but we'll get confirmation when it, when it happens on Thursday and hopefully get a little bit more feedback from Scotty and, and the guys over at, at Scotty Cameron about the process. But yeah, it's, uh, it's always big news when number one's tinkering with a new putter. I, I wouldn't say that I'm the number one of anything when it comes to golf, but uh, I have, I went from a blade putter to like a, a mallet putter this year, and I say my putting's really never been better. I've used um, uh, was it the uh, the Spider GT, which I, I got, and like people were asking me about it when I was like playing golf last week. It was like, what is that? Because I had a purple insert, it had like these little custom things, right? Um, which again, I I thought was really helpful with like alignment and everything. But you know, if people are looking for like different styles of alignment, this one's for Eugene. TaylorMade just released three new versions of the Spider GT. <laughs> that uh, are they a so sponsor? They, they, they've got the because because we were I know we were going to talk about it, but like they they brought the truss neck to the Spider, which I know people were talking about because they released it in Japan. People were like, well, you know, the truss line kind of like was so so in North America. I think if you if you talk to them, they'd be pretty honest about like it, it had like a call falling, but it didn't really like catch on. But they have a center shafted version, and then they have two truss necks, which I think are are you know, to continue that into the, that line, I think is, is pretty interesting. And, you know, it's all about alignment because they don't really have a lot of options. It's just all black with like a white sight line. And I think if we look at the way people align like their putters now, you know, there's a couple different ways that people do it and to come out with more, obviously like that putter must be doing well for a lot of people to offer it up with another, like basically a component. Cause like a lot of the components are the same, but they've changed the top to be able to allow that putter to be assembled with those different necks. So I want to see how, if any of those end up on tour. It's a good point about the trust because I, I didn't know anybody who played one and all I heard from, from, you know, cause I, I want to take the temperature of the weekend golfer and see what they think of this gear because their opinion matters when it comes to, when it comes to retail purchases. And a lot of them are like, man, I will not play that butter. I know that you can't really see, the truss design at a dress, but I, it just it just does not fit my eye, and so I I kind of thought based on on the lack of interest in that putter, or at least 
what I thought was a lack of interest in, in as you mentioned, North America, I figured it was gone. So yeah, I, w- I will say that I was surprised that they brought it back as an addition on the new Spider GT line. I think, and this is this is what I would I'd always be really curious when I would you know talking about talking about this earlier and kind of like bring it back a little bit. It's like I find that golfers in Asia, especially in Japan, like the Japan market embraces technology. Like they 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 care less. I know you talked about like the aesthetics of like a golfer that looks beautiful, but I think for the weekend golfer, and I've talked to people that own and distribute golf clubs in Japan under various brands. And they will say like, they do not, in many cases, a lot of people are just going to driving ranges like and playing indoor golf. They want, they want super strong launched golf clubs. They want golf clubs that are ultra light. They want golf clubs that are packed with technology and they don't care as much about looks as they do about performance. And I think that's why if you go to like some of the companies that are selling golf clubs in Japan, you kind of go through their sites and you see, you see some very, you see like the classic designs, you know, Scotty and Bettinardi and some of those like boutique putter makers sell to a lot of collectors over in Asia, but there is still a big market for like, I don't care what it looks like. I just want it to work. And you see like some pretty crazy designs. Like, you know, there's like the, I've seen the, I think it's called the egg, which has like a hollow, basically like it's hollow in the middle. It's a, it looks like a donut with a club face on it. Right. And it's like super shallow, like as a fairy would. And, you know, you could, you know, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, Gene, you were telling us about the magnesium driver that worked good, but sounded like didn't like it went very mm-hmm. far and, you know, it didn't last very long. Right. But people are willing to embrace technology if it works, right. If there's something behind it. And I think the trust is one of those things where, like, you know, it's going to find a market because it does, it does work and there's, there's, there's value to it, but is it something where a lot of golfers, and I do, I think it comes down to like the people you play with and all of this, all those like little elements, 100% right? Like, it does. Yeah. If someone picks on you all the time because you have a golf club that like doesn't sound right or doesn't look right. Eventually you're going to be like, uh, I don't like it anymore. I don't want it anymore. Right. Like you show up in a weird outfit. You're, you're probably not going to wear that outfit anymore. If everyone's making fun of you. Well, and, and the other thing about Japan is they have upended the pyramid of influence and they do not look to the tour for inspiration about what they purchase, which, you know, drives, <laughs> 90% of the market here and the, and the pyramid of influences has always been so strong in the U S the Japanese are much more sensible. They go, I'm not a tour player. I'm not swinging at 120 miles an hour. I, you know, I want a 14 degree lofted driver to your point, you know, with a, with a head that's going to give me as much forgiveness and a 40 gram shaft. Cause I'm swinging at 86 miles an hour and I want to get every inch or millimeter out of the out, out of that out of that golf ball and that golf club and um, it's it's uh, I I've always looked at Japan in that regard as being much more sensible than the than the average American or Canadian you know uh, uh, golfer because we always you know we're looking up that pyramid of influence and the reality is for a lot of players what a tour player is playing or what an elite player is playing, which they're looking at or a club pro or whoever doesn't necessarily have a, a lot of relevance to their game specifically. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, I would, I would completely agree on that. Anyway, so trust is back with spider GT. We also had a new putter drop from Cleveland with their HB soft milled. And as I mentioned, we're going to be giving away a couple of these. So 
if you want one of them, there's a blade and two mallets. So just let me know which one you want. But these these are, you know, I gotta say, Cleveland's done a nice job with these with these HB soft mill putters. You know, and I, I get it, you know, pyramid of influence. There aren't a ton of Cleveland putters out on on the PGA tour. And so if you don't really see those putters like you would a Scotty Cameron or an Odyssey, um, you know, Toulon's another one, Betnardi, it's it's tough to to drum up a whole lot of interest in these putters, but you know, they, they are clean. They're, you know, they're cast from molten steel and then they're CNC milled. So there's time and effort that's being put into creating these putters. And I think that goes a long way. It's something that does seem to get lost. But one of the things that I will say that I like about these is you can tell that, that Cleveland is kind of going that extra mile. So they have their updated soft, face technology, which is, it stands for speed optimized face technology. And it's something that we've seen, you know, Garen Reif do with even roll, uh, with the sweet face, meaning that the, if you were to look at the face of, of this Cleveland putter, you would see a, a whole lot of, you know, milling, a unique milling pattern is, is what I would call it. And that pattern is designed to where if you miss hit the ball, a little bit more towards the heel or the toe. It's supposed to kind of help um, normalize distance. So if if you're hitting it out of the center and you're getting it to the hole, if you hit it a little bit off the heel or toe, it's supposed to get there as well, or at least close enough to where you're not seeing this massive distance drop off. But Cleveland also partnered up with Golf Pride, and they also partnered up with US Team Amia. And, you know, I, I, again, I think there's something to be said for just kind of adding in some more premium components to these putters just to separate them from the others in the marketplace. So you can choose from the Golf Pride Pro only grips. And we had covered these a little while back. And these aren't brand new grips that Golf Pride just came out with, but you've got one with more of a pistol shape that's going to allow you to help, you know, turn the putter over a bit more. Then you have like a little bit more of a beefier version. They call the pro only green that has more of a rounded kind of oval back to it. That's going to keep the hands a little bit more quiet through the stroke. So you have different grip options depending on preferences. And then you also have different shaft options with these. So you've got your traditional steel, but then you also have an upgraded UST Mamiya all in shaft. And this is a multi-material shaft that has the steel tip with the, the composite section that probably takes up about 75 or 80% of the shaft. And with this one, they're saying that it's going to give you a more consistent face angle when compared to steel by 10%. So anyway, cool product that I don't think gets a whole lot of attention because, you know, this is the time of the year where all kinds of, of new gear is coming out, but it looks clean. It looks like a premium putter. It doesn't look like Cleveland just threw this one together. So I think it definitely deserves some consideration if you're looking for putters this year. I think one of the one of the coolest things about that putter and the face is the face milling design changes from blades to mallets. Like to your point about finishing, like they go the extra mile in what is would be considered like more of a value-based product to offer that that value and that premium look in a putter that is generally not found in that price point. And I think when it comes to Cleveland and, and obviously like the other brands that are under that that uh, that umbrella of like Strixon they they like the the wedges are obviously like very much a premium product but they focus on the golfer that's looking for something that's going to offer really good value but also isn't looking for 
something cheap, right? This cheap would not be the word I would use to describe the putter. It's, it's always like great value, uh, affordable, but you still get technology. And like, again, I think that the face milling thing is always really cool. Cause like they could have just left it all the same, but you know, they've, they've gone that extra little bit. So when they're going through that process of, do you use a mallet player or a blade putter? Like, where do you miss? How do you miss? Like when it talks about speed and all these different things, I think that's, uh, it's kind of always impressed by those putters. I think that's, that's probably the best way to put it because you see a lot of stuff that's not really like overly like in that part, you see stuff that's like people like they just put it out to put it out. Right. And they don't do that. I never feel like they do it with those putters. Yeah. And as you mentioned, the there's with 10 putters, there's 10 different face optimizations. So it's not like it's the same milling pattern across all 10 different models. Like they, they optimize it for that particular model, which I think is pretty cool. Yeah. Hey, speaking of price, can I uh, chime in on something that uh, a friend of mine made me aware of yesterday that just blew me away? And I don't know if this is uh, an anomaly or this is an attempt to capture the marketplace, but PXG introduced a new driver, the 211 series, for $219 with free shipping and a Mitsubishi Diamana S Plus uh, as the stock shaft, which retails for $100. And their whole line right now, I, 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 I'm just blown away by the prices. You can buy um, their the latest 311 for $349. I mean, it's just... Uh, Parsons is doing something really interesting from a price point, and I don't know if that's an attempt to capture the marketplace, etc. But I think it's something that that warrants, uh, you know, kind of attention because I went back and looked to get something close for roughly two hundred dollars. You have to go four years back, and it's almost a used driver type thing, you know, for the same kind of marketplace. Yeah. I don't quite know what they're what they're doing or what the direction they're going is. I mean, if you go back and you look at what PXG did when they very first entered the market, you know, you had you had all these ultra premium irons and wedges. And then they entered into woods, but they were really expensive. I mean, 600 plus for a driver, you know, the irons, the irons were were really pricey. RB, how much were the the original? I can't they're remember. Like three nine, they were almost three ninety nine in Canada. Like if you wanted a full yeah, golf per, club built, per iron, per, per iron. iron. Yeah. yeah. And I yeah, mean, gee, to was, your point, like they blew out, or I don't think they're still doing it, but like the, the original O211 driver was one nineteen ninety nine. Yeah. Like two yeah. weeks ago. So like they're, they are definitely, I, I, I don't mean in a bad I mean, way. Where would like, you I put th- them right now? If you, if you were I, trying, I doing, if you're trying to like, are they're not, I, I can't really call them premium anymore. Are they, are they more uh, like, like kind of middle of the road towards discount because 200 bucks is, I mean, as Gene, as Gene mentioned, they're giving you a lot of bang for your buck with this driver. I would say like the best way to describe them would be like, if you look at big brands, like the, and like, you know, I know we're getting to the end of the podcast here, but like the best way to kind of like really quickly analyze it, right. Is you've got say Nike and Adidas, right? Like if you go to like a foot locker or you go to like one of their like high end, like flagship stores, you are going to have the premium basketball sneakers, the running shoes, that are going to be what well, I don't know. I'm really not super familiar. I'm not a sneakerhead. So like, let's say 300 bucks for like the newest Jordan or something like that. Right. Or whatever happened to be performance basketball shoe. 
then you can go to Costco and buy a pair of Adidas or a pair of Nikes. I don't ever really see Nike. I see Nikes a little bit, but like you can buy a pair of Adidas sometimes, like 39 bucks, right? What are they doing? Are they are they using slightly different materials? Not in the case of PXG, they're not, right? But what they've done is they've stripped all the tech from it, right? Like there's no adjustable weights. There's no adjustable hosels in the fairy woods. They're, they've just kind of taken everything that they could possibly maximize out of a design and put it into like a lesser price point product. And I think what they've done is they're just capturing, like you you know, you can see, you could buy a really fancy Toyota or you can buy a value-based Toyota, right? Like they, they've, they've tried, I think they're trying to play both, both hands. And I think, honestly, I think they're doing a good job. Like I'm not going to well, say you're criticizing can, because. Well, I can say as someone who tests them and, you know, I mean, full disclosure, they're, they're a client of mine as well. Their stuff works. It, 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 it works and it performs. But what's interesting is he's gone to a direct to consumer, uh, model. So and that helps. Able, yeah, it helps yeah, be able to prices and be competitive. Yeah. To, to cut yep. that. But it's just, anyways, it's just something to, to keep a look at because their top driver right now, their top driver with all the bells and whistles, which, you know, has a lot of bells and whistles it, you can get for $349. I mean, that's just, you know, that's $200 cheaper than, than anything else from, from the top manufacturers. I mean, it's just, it's something to, to keep an eye on to see if their market share grows um, as, as they, you know. Yeah, if, if yeah. They're and I think that's what they're it. trying to do. They're trying to grow market share right now. They're trying to get more people into their product. And the, the way to do that is to, to lower your prices significantly versus your competitors into trying to get somebody to go, well, do I want to pay five fifty or six hundred bucks, you know, maybe more with with a premium shaft or an upgraded shaft in there, or do I want to pay three forty nine and still get a premium shaft? So yeah, they're I mean they're they're playing a very interesting game right now. They're being incredibly aggressive in the way that they're going about promoting their stuff and, and the pricing. And I do think that they're just trying to capture more of the market right now. It's never a bad thing. Nope, never a bad thing. All right. Well, that will do it for episode 162 of Fully Equipped. As I mentioned, we're going to be doing a live Zoom next week. We're calling it Fully Equipped Live. It's going to be a Club Test 2023 preview. RB and I will spend the day somewhere, the day prior to shooting the Zoom. So we'll have a lot to talk about in terms of gear. Look for more information on the golf social handles to be able to register for that event. And with that, I think that'll do it. As always, if you want more gear news, you can check us out on social media. We are at fully underscore equipped on Twitter and at fully equipped golf on Instagram. Thanks as always for listening. See you next week.